Uh, we are looking at the judges of Israel. We're still looking at Jephthah. Uh, tonight's message is titled Victory Overshadowed. Victory Overshadowed. Uh, tonight we're going to see a great victory. We're going to see God work through Israel and work through their leader Jephthah. Uh, but you will see tonight that we won't be spending all of our time on the victory tonight. We're actually going to be spending uh, quite a bit of time on the sad event that takes place after the victory. Uh, sometimes we overshadow things in our lives. Uh, great victories for God, maybe. Uh, sometimes we overshadow these victories with poor choices. Uh, let's learn from this passage and judges to be careful of our decisions so that we don't take away from the great victories in our life. Uh, but before we get to the bad decision or the sad part of the message, let's first look at the victory for Israel. So Judges chapter 11, and we'll be starting in verse 32. <clears throat> Judges 11:32. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Aor, even till thou come to Mineth, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards with a great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Uh, so God uses Jephthah here to lead his people to victory. Now, if you remember from last week, and I'm going to re-preach last week a little bit here, but if you remember, Jephthah was able to be used by God. Jephthah was willing to be used by God. He wanted to be used by God. He was looking for uh, the ability to be used by God, and he made sure he was usable for God. Uh, we all need to be able to honestly say that we have those same attributes. Uh, but it is even more important for leaders to be able to say these things. It's important for all of us, but even much more for leaders. Uh, now, I'm not going to uh, get into football too much today, uh, but there is a leader in the football world that's in some trouble right now. Uh, I don't know if anybody follows college football, uh, but there's a team up in Michigan uh, that has uh, their leader is suspended. He was suspended earlier this year for something he did. Uh, now he's suspended again for something else that was going on. And uh, he uh, allows some things to go on in the organization, and he wasn't a great leader in those areas. And because he was suspended uh, yesterday, his team just barely beat somebody that they should have basically destroyed. Uh, so uh, it affects everyone. It affects all of them. The, the leadership uh, affects everyone underneath them. Leadership is very important. Now, I wasn't talking about Michigan because I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm actually not an Ohio State fan. I'm a Michigan fan, uh, but it's, it, I try to ignore the bad things that happen. Uh, but anyways, uh, leadership is very important. Uh, leadership uh, can affect everyone. It affects the whole team, like up in Michigan. It affects a whole company. It affects the whole nation, the leaders of this country, the people in our government. It affects our entire nation, and it will even affect an entire church. And it can bring a whole church down. Uh, whoever is leading you, you need to make sure that they are willing to be used by God, that they're looking to be used by God, and they're actually able to be used by God. Uh, if they are not, then you will be brought down as well. Now, remember 
Moses. He was mostly a very great leader for Israel. Uh, God used him greatly, but Moses was disobedient to God's plan. And when Moses hit that rock, instead of speaking to it, God had to punish him for it. And God also punished the whole nation of Israel. Uh, Their leader caused them uh, to have to suffer in the desert for years and years, although they had their own uh, faults as well. But their leader could have led them in the right direction uh, instead of the wrong direction. It's important to have a leader that will bring you closer to God and help lead you into God's will and not away from it. Uh, Your leader is anyone you follow. Uh, it, in, it certainly includes pastor, it includes me, it includes anybody else in this church that you listen to that maybe teaches from time to time, uh, anyone that you follow or go to for advice. It includes any preaching or teaching you hear outside of here as well. Uh, anyone you follow uh, that is uh, giving you some type of advice or leading you in some way, uh, those are leaders as well. And you must be very careful and very picky on who you allow to be your leader. Uh, Jephthah, he is a good leader here, and God is able to use him to defeat the enemies uh, that are going to war against Israel in this time. And those enemies are standing in the way of God's plan and God's will. And God took care of Israel as they followed their leader, and as their leader followed God's plan. Uh, Israel gets to experience victory here because they did the right thing before they faced the battle. Now, we need to make sure that when we go to battle, uh, when we go out into this world each and every day, uh, when we go out to serve God, we need to make sure that we already did the work before the time comes for us to face the battle. Uh, It will not be helpful if we show up unready. Uh, If a soldier's out in battle and his uh, commander tells him to go do a specific job and the soldier says, okay, but how do I do that? That is not going to be a good situation. Uh, It does no good for the soldier to be there unprepared. Uh, It'd be like if he showed up without the gear he needed uh, and he couldn't get the job done. Uh, It wouldn't end well. It wouldn't go as smooth as it should have gone. Uh, This is what happens when we show up to serve God without putting work in before we show up to work. Uh, We show up to teach or preach but we didn't put any time in beforehand. Uh, we show up to sing, but we never once practice. Uh, we show up to serve in some type of ministry in the church, but we haven't prepared at all for it. We haven't even prepared our heart for the work that we're about to do. We need to show up already prepared. Uh, this means that we need to make sure that we're ready at all times. Uh, because we don't know when God's going to call us into action. We don't know when God is going to cause a lost soul to come into our path. And we need to be ready uh, to handle that situation. We need to make sure that we're willing to serve God before that time comes. We need to make sure that we're looking to serve God before that time comes. And we need to make sure that we're usable to God before that time comes. Uh, If there are things that we need to get right with God before we can be usable, then we need to make sure that we take care of business before that time comes. Uh, We need our leaders to be ready, and we also need to be ready when we show up too. Israel gets the victory because they showed up ready, because their leader was ready. Now, we're going to spend the rest of tonight's message 
looking at the rest of chapter 11 here of Judges, and it's not so uh, uh, such a good of a story as the beginning part of the message tonight. We're going to look at the unfortunate outcome of Jephthah's vow. The unfortunate outcome of Jephthah's vow. Let's start reading in verse 34. And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. And she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me. For I have opened my mouth unto the Lord and cannot go back. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. And he said, Go, and he sent her away for two months. And she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed, and she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. So Jephthah here, uh, in his uh, devastation, he first tries to blame his daughter. I'm not sure if you caught that. Look in verse 35 again. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me. Uh, so he first tries to shift some blame here. He says that she brought him low, and she is like one that troubles him. Uh, I think he's very distraught, obviously, in this moment. Uh, I think he realizes now that he did not really think through this vow that he had already made. Uh, he didn't think through it well enough. He didn't think that this would be one of the possible outcomes of the vow. And all of that, all of that going on, uh, for a moment, uh, he says that she is causing this distress to him. Uh, but if you look at the end of verse 35, it says, For I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Uh, so Jephthah here does actually take responsibility for it. Uh, he does eventually get to the fact that he was the one that opened his mouth. And his daughter was not the one that made the promise. He made the promise. Uh, the daughter was coming in to greet him and welcome him home safely. He just got back from uh, a war, from a battle where he could have died. Uh, she was going to celebrate the victory with him. Her intentions were all good. She was uh, doing a good, a nice, or a pure thing. Uh, her father made a decision and said uh, this thing, this vow, and it caused distress. It wasn't her fault at all of what her father said. Uh, she was in the right. She was not doing anything wrong, but she was going to be punished for something someone else did. Uh, now, this uh, is exactly what happened when Jesus died on the cross. Uh, this reminds me of my Savior. And although Jesus knew the whole time, but he was still willing to come and do it, but Jesus was innocent. 
He came and he was pure. He was righteous. He was good. He didn't do anything wrong, but he was still willing to take our sins for us. Uh, We we see here in verse 36, the the daughter has a very wise reaction to the situation. Uh, Look at verse 36. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened my mouth, thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. So his daughter immediately realizes the importance and the seriousness of the situation. Uh, she knows the importance of a vow to God and keeping your promises to God. Uh, she is also able to separate uh, this from her own desires. Obviously, she wouldn't desire what this vow is, uh, but she says she's willing to accept uh, what this vow is. Uh, she also must have loved God and wanted nothing to be withheld from God, including her own self. Uh, she didn't want to withhold her own self from God. Uh, sometimes, not all the time, wish it was all the time, but sometimes children can be full of wisdom. Uh, I think of uh, some wise things that happen with children in the Bible. I, I first think of Jesus and his response in the temple at the age of 12. Uh, when his, uh, Mary and Joseph come back and, and ask what he's doing, and he reminds his parents that he's only trying to do the work of the Heavenly Father. I think of Moses' sister and her wise response to Pharaoh's daughter finding baby Moses, and she says uh, that she would go and find someone to take care of the baby, and she goes and gets her own mother to take care of her baby. Uh, I also think of Samuel as a child. He ministered with Eli the priest, and he was willing to listen to the Lord when God spoke. Uh, We also have Josiah, who was only eight years old when he became king, but he did great things. He was responsible for bringing the people back to God and taking away the false gods and and all the high places where they uh, worshipped those gods. Uh, and, and how about the boy that gave his lunch to Jesus so he could preach and feed all those thousands of people? There are plenty of instances where children can be very wise. Uh, sometimes children are full of wisdom. And it's always when a young person is close to God that they make these wise decisions. Uh, and that can apply to us adults as well. The closer to God we are, the wiser we can be. The more we are in God's word, the wiser we can be. Uh, Jephthah's daughter was wise, and we can tell that she was close to God. We can also see that she desires to honor her father as well. We know throughout the Bible that God tells uh, children that they need to honor and obey their parents. Uh, the importance of honoring parents goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments. And even Paul writes about it, and even Jesus talks about honor, children honoring their parents. Uh, so there's no confusion here. God wants children to honor their parents. Uh, Jephthah's daughter shows great honor to her father by being obedient to what he has said to do. Now, the last thing I want to look at concerning Jephthah's daughter is that she had some loyal friends. Let's look at her loyal friends in verse 37. And she said unto her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. That's her friends. And he said, go. And he sent her away for two months 
And she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. Uh, she asked her father in verse 37 there if her friends could go with her for the next two months. And we see in verse 38 that they stayed with her and they came back with her after those two months. Well, your companions or your friends are very important. Who you choose to call your friends is very, very important. Uh, what would have happened if she would have had a bunch of bad friends with her? when she went up on this mountain for two months, or maybe even just one bad friend in the group for those two months. And that friend kept telling her, maybe you should just run away. Uh, maybe you should just disobey your father. Or maybe you should just simply not go back. I mean, she had two months where she was with these uh, friends of hers. Uh, they could have greatly influenced her in that amount of time. Her friends uh, apparently didn't talk her out of being obedient to her father. Uh, they were with her for all that time, and it seems that when she came back, she was just as willing to be obedient as when she left. Uh, what would have happened, uh, or what would happen to us if we were stuck with the people that we call friends for eight weeks? Uh, what would happen if we were with our friends for eight weeks? Would we come back willing to obey and serve God? Would we come back as close to God as when we left? Or would we come back further away from God? Would we come back with a weaker relationship to God because of the influence of our friends? Who we choose to call friends is very important. Who we hang around with is important because they will influence us. Uh, whether it's for good or bad, they will influence us. We need to make sure the ones that we call friends uh, would come back with us after those eight weeks and that we would all be closer to God and we would all be willing to obey and serve God. Friends are important. Uh, Jephthah's daughter had friends that came back with her and she was ready to be obedient when she came back. Let's make sure that our friends help us follow God and help us grow closer to God and help us serve God. And also we need to be a friend that helps others follow God and serve God and grow closer to God. Uh, now, I want to spend the last part of the message tonight on the debated idea on whether or not Jephthah actually sacrificed his daughter as a burnt offering. Now, there are uh, you know, Christians or Bible scholars that are on both sides of this topic. And we're going to look at what the Bible says about this and determine maybe what actually happened. So did Jephthah sacrifice his daughter? So first, I'm going to look at the actual words in this passage. So let's look at the actual vow that was vowed. Look at verse 30. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it for a burnt offering. Uh, so the actual vow here is that he says, whatever comes through the door, he says, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. That's the actual vow that was vowed. Uh, now I want to look at Jephthah's commitment to the vow. Look at verse 35. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. 
So we see here that he's committed fully to the vow that he vowed to God. He said he opened his mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. So he's committed. Now, let's look at the daughter's thoughts on the vow. Look at verse 36. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord to do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth, for as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. Uh, so the daughter tells him to do according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. So that's the daughter's thoughts on the vow. Now, what does the Bible say actually happened? What was what actually happened with this vow? Look at verse 39. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed. And she knew no man, and it was a custom in Israel. Uh, so it says there that he did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed. And we're going to look at this pretty closely here in a second. Look at these words and what they actually mean here. Uh, but uh, there are some possibilities of what happened here. Uh, first uh, possibility is Jephthah never sacrificed her as a burnt sacrifice, uh, but just sacrificed her freedom um, and dedicated her to God. That's a possibility of what the sacrifice actually was that took place here. Uh, this would be similar to what Hannah did for her son Samuel. Uh, now, uh, you know, she dedicated him to the Lord and gave him to the Lord, and, and he served the Lord with his life. Now, it's possible that this happened, and people use the fact that she was lamenting her virginity and not ever being married, they use that as reasoning that she lived and not died. Uh, the thought is that if she was actually going to be a burnt sacrifice, that she would be lamenting her life her, or her death uh, if she was going to be sacrificed. So that's a possibility. Uh, it's also possible that Jephthah tried to fulfill the vow, uh, but was stopped. Uh, the thinking here is that it would be similar to when Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac uh, to God, and God stopped him before he actually did it. Um, so, uh, obviously, God did that with Abraham and Isaac, and God is capable of doing it again. And really, it doesn't say any of that here, but it doesn't mean that it didn't happen and we just don't have it recorded. Uh, but we do know for sure that God does not support human sacrifices. Uh, that's an absolute fact. Look at Leviticus chapter 20. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 20, and we'll start reading in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among his people, because he hath given of his seed unto Molech to defile my sanctuary, and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do anywise hide their eyes from the man when he giveth of his seed unto Moloch and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man 
and against his family and will cut him off and all that go a whoring after him to commit whoredom with Moloch from among their people. And we'll stop there. But this is talking about sacrificing your children to this false god. Uh, God not only says that no one should ever sacrifice their children, uh, but he also says that if anyone allows someone to do this and doesn't punish them for it, then they are guilty and God will turn away from them as well. Now turn over to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 31. It says, and they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. And that thought, that idea never even came into God's heart. Now look at Jeremiah 19, 5. Chapter 19, verse 5. It says, they have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. Now look at Jeremiah 32, 35. Chapter 32, verse 35. It says, and they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Moloch, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind, that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Uh, God calls the sacrificing of children an abomination. And, and God says that he never commanded it. He, he never uh, even thought it. it was something that never came into his heart or his mind. Uh, we can know for sure that God, God does not agree with sacrificing of children. And, and I don't want to get on this topic tonight, uh, but that could uh, very easily go for abortion as well. You can label it whatever you want, but you're killing a child. And that's exactly what we're talking about in these passages, the killing of children. Uh, we, we come up with these uh, names, abortion or terminating a pregnancy, to make it sound way better than it really is. It's murdering a baby. Uh, but moving forward, uh, children are precious to God. Uh, Psalms 127.3, low children are an heritage of the Lord. In, in Luke 17.2, uh, Jesus says it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. There are plenty of verses that we could look at on how God uh, says that children should be cared for and children should be loved, uh, that they should be raised properly. They should be trained upright in the ways of the Lord. God loves children. God does not support children sacrifice of any kind. Uh, actually, God is very much against it. And God, even with Abraham, told him not to do it. Uh, it is possible that that happened in this situation as well. Um, I don't think that's quite as likely, but it's possible. Uh, so what actually happened? If you look in Judges again, Judges chapter 11, verse 39, uh, let, we'll read that verse again. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father 
who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed, and she knew no man. And it was custom in Israel, and we'll stop there. Uh, but this verse here, it explains what Jephthah actually did, what actually happened uh, to his daughter. But you see there that you find a colon. Now, a colon is used to give you an explanation of the previous thought. Uh, from uh, Merriam-Webster, it says that a colon uh, introduces clauses or phrases that serves to describe, amplify, amplify, or restate what precedes them. So it goes along with the previous thought. It's there to describe what previously happened. Uh, so we have the act spoken, which is the carrying out of the vow. And then we have a colon, which is there to tell you that the next phrase describes the previous phrase. Uh, so then after that, we see the description of her never marrying, uh, of, of her never getting married uh, and having children. So that gives us uh, reason to believe that because a uh, human walked through the door there with uh, Jephthah's vow, that God did not require him to actually burn her as a sacrifice, but allowed her to be a living sacrifice. Uh, and, and then I have another reason that goes along with this, uh, and it helps support this thought a little bit, is we see that the verse has uh, this phrase in it, um, according to. Look at verse 39 again. It says, And it came to pass at the end of the two months that when she returned unto her father who did with her according to. So you see that phrase in there. Uh, and this phrase will give us more information on what happened. So according to can be used in different ways uh, in the Bible. So like in Exodus chapter 8 verse 10, it says, And he said tomorrow, and uh, he said, Be it according to thy word. It says, according to thy word, uh, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. So in this verse, uh, according to means exactly like. Uh, this is Moses speaking to God about the plagues. And Moses says that everything will happen exactly like the way God said it will happen. We also uh, have this phrase, according to, used in the Bible in a different way like in Exodus 16.21. It says, And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. So we have that phrase again, according to. Now in this verse, it means equal to. Uh, they are to take enough food equal to the amount that they can eat. Uh, there are multiple verses we could look at. I've looked at uh, many over the past week that support both of those meanings uh, it just depends on the context of the verse. Um, if you apply this to Judges 39, 11-39, uh, it would mean that Jephthah did equal to his vow to God. And, and if you did a language study, you could even see that there are different root words used in these instances as well. Uh, but both of these thoughts put together give us enough evidence to believe that Jephthah was not required by God to kill his daughter, but was able to offer her to God as a living sacrifice that was equal, and that was equal in God's eyes. Uh, I, I have a hard time believing that God would be pleased with someone who killed their own child. Uh, we looked at evidence of how God feels about children and how they should be protected and loved and cared for, and that child sacrifice is an abomination. Uh, now, my last point is 
that I've shown you what I believe, what I believe the scripture says here. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm infallible or it's absolute fact, but I believe that there's enough evidence there. Uh, I believe there's also times where God does not tell us exactly what happens or how it happened. And we have to be okay with that. Uh, I do believe that there is a little bit of gray area in this passage that we can't say with absolute fact what actually happened. Uh, we can take other facts in the Bible and apply it there as well. Uh, we can look at uh, Jesus's life. Uh, we could look at how uh, his father died, but the Bible never recorded it. He, and we know he wasn't there later on in, his, in Jesus's life, but the Bible didn't record that his father died, but it did happen. Joseph died. Uh, but it's not recorded. We could also look at all the years that Jesus' life isn't recorded at all in the Bible. We have when he was born, uh, when he was 8 days old, when he was 12 years old, and then when he's 30 years old. Uh, we know that all those years in between happened, uh, but they're not in the Bible, but we know they exist. Uh, sometimes God does not tell us everything, and that's okay. We need to be okay with that. Uh, we need to put ourselves in a position uh, to experience great victories in our life. And this will only happen if we are right with God. Uh, we are looking to be used by God in our lives. We, we need to uh, look for God to call on us to serve him and to step up and serve. Uh, if we do this, we will be in a position to experience some great victories through God. Uh, but as we learn tonight, we can overshadow these victories with some bad decisions. Uh, this can be as simple as uh, making uh, bad friends or keeping bad friends or hanging out with someone who is pulling you away from God, uh, choosing to be around people that cause you to get further away from God and not closer to God. Let's make sure we're around people that will bring us closer to God. Uh, all of our decisions are important. Uh, let's make sure we allow God to speak to us and we search the scriptures on all of our decisions. Uh, Jephthah made a vow, and I believe that he did it in haste. I, I believe that he didn't go to God and ask God for guidance first. And when we do that, we set ourselves up for failure. If we consult God before we choose to do something, we will not find ourselves in a situation like Jephthah was in. Uh, may we always go to God for answers and direction first. Amen. Let's pray.